They've done slow acclimation. Now they're going full bore. I think it's going to be something massive. I think it's going to be some sort of false flag. It's really a government that is drunk on power. Both, uh, I believe, conservative and liberals have been claiming for years that uh, drone use in the United States is ripe for abuse. Uh, the reason is they can be made in any size. Uh, researchers at John Hopkins are looking into how butterflies move so that they could craft drones the size of mosquitoes or birds. I want to say, all right, if you don't want drones or Guantanamo or rendition or coerced interrogation, you don't want any of that, then how do you protect yourself against people who are not only blow you up but themselves? How do you do that? When you destroy the enemy, all right, you destroy civilians around the enemy. And that happens in every war. But let me just, let me have one, one more question before, the same way before we eject. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gauntz. Hey everyone, and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. This is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we're here to talk about drones. Drones and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, we'll get to that. We've got an interesting guest uh, today, but we will first talk about some other interesting things. You may have noticed that we posted something a little bit different on our RSS feed. A very special something. Yeah, are we going to switch off back and forth like we did in the in the thing? Oh, I don't know. I was just throwing in my two cents, just saying <laughs> it was special. Well, it's called it's called a flyby or flyby. Canary cry flyby. Um, and what it is, if you haven't noticed it already, it's just a short little treat for you that we will be trying to do more often here, just to keep you satiated in between larger episodes so go make sure to check that out it's in the uh the listen tab there you it's super easy to find so go give that a listen let us know what you think speaking of letting us know we've got a new feature on the website you may have noticed it's kind of sneaky and hard to see but if you visit canarycryradio.com you will see a little tab peeking on the right side uh, that says, leave us a voicemail, send voicemail or leave us a message or something. Uh, basically we, there's a website called speakpipe.com and it's a free service where you can pay for it, but we're just doing the free service now. And basically what you can do is click on it and it'll prompt you a little window and you can record a message that will go directly to us, a little voice message. Uh, you can do it from your iPhone or iPad or computer or whatever you got going on. And um, and we will address some of those things that you bring up, questions, comments, criticisms, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's a way for you guys to get your voice on the podcast and also for us to be able to respond to you guys. Um, but keep in mind that the because we have the free account, we can only do 20 messages a month with a maximum duration of 90 seconds per message. So... Keep it short, keep it concise, and... Uh, so, and hurry up and go out there and leave messages before 20 other people do. Yeah, yeah, so get on it. Maybe we'll upgrade, who knows? Maybe if the good Lord blesses us with some funds and you guys are enthusiastic about leaving us voice messages, we can um, subscribe to the premium user and get unlimited voicemails and things like that. But we're just trying it out. 
let us know what you think. Uh, click on the tab. Leave us a little message. And you could hear your voice on Canary Cry Radio. Yeah. And we won't change your voice unless we want well, to. Maybe you can say that I want it changed. Yeah. Maybe you can, uh, you can give if us you, like, you know, I want to sound like I'm in a cave and we can make that happen. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> any, any sort of disguise, maybe just stick with like a robot voice. I don't know. Maybe we'll just make the option. Um, you can have a disguised voice or not. And you know, we'll leave it up to our creative discretion what to hide your voice as. And cool. you're just you're just at the whim of our creative fancy at the time. Great. Okay. So moving on to some important things. Technically, we have two guests on tonight, and technically, you know, uh, we it's more of we had a conversation with two other people. One of them is someone you all know as Tim Kilkenny, the one of the co-hosts of Revelations Radio News. And we wanted him on because he is someone that has stayed in touch with a lot of the news stories and, and the mainstream media and what is being reported on the topic of drones and just, you know, the whole conspiracy culture in general. And the second individual is uh, a little bit more of a mysterious character that got in contact with us via emails and uh, had some interesting things to share with us. Or we can, we can call you whatever you want, man. Yeah, you know what? Maybe call me something else. Okay. Do you have a preference? Um, okay. That didn't make sense. Let's see. Uh... What, about a, what about a color like red? <laughs> or, or armadillo. Uh, armadillo. How about armadillo? Uh, too many syllables there. Uh, That's true. Call me uh, maybe M. 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 Ooh, M. Mr. Right. M. True. All right. That's what it is. Mr. M's in the house. So now that we had a name for this guy and we had established the very basics of having a conversation. We are able to learn a little bit more about him. He's very private about a lot of his personal information and sources for his knowledge and things like that. So instead of us trying to bumble about and figure out how to explain him, we'll let him explain himself. Keep in mind that this conversation happened at about 2 a.m. his time. Uh, a general background. Uh, went to college had no aspirations of doing what I what, what I've done today um, it just kind of came across uh, joined the military did some stuff in the military got a lot of training got a lot of experiences saw a lot of things did a lot of things got out of the military and uh, basically you know kind of work for the government now that's the uh, Reader's Digest version all right, sounds good. Now, when when you say you never planned to do what you did, is that just out of general, uh, you know, just going into the military as, as sort of a um, basic unit or infantryman was sort of the plan and it just sort of led into your current and past positions through your 
um, abilities or did it come through other, you know, uh, gifts that you had or were you particularly um, apt at certain, you know, parts of the job that suited you well for what you're doing now? Yes, uh, to a lot of that. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you have to take, uh, <laughs> there's, there are some aptitude tests that you have to take. Um, and you know, if, even if you pass them, if, if, if you go into that area and they just kind of find out you're, you're a knucklehead, they're going to minimize your, your, your role. But no, I was, I, I was pretty, uh, pretty gifted at, at, at uh, many things. And, uh, I just excelled and, um, and it just kind of rose, uh, I don't know. I just progressed and that, that, that opened doors and, um, it just kind of opened, kept opening doors and kept opening doors. And I had no, um, like I said, I had, I always thought this, the stuff I would do would be cool, but I never thought I'd be doing it. Uh, until doors were just open and I would just think, oh, well, this is pretty neat. Yeah, I'll, I'll go do this now. Um, so that, that's just kind of how, how things went. Interesting. So Gons and, and Tim, or even Mr. M here, how would be the best way to start talking about some things without um, making a connection with uh, the things we're trying not to make a connection with? Yeah. Um, well, I think, um, obviously, I think one of the, regarding probably the military, let's say, probably one of the biggest um, hot button topics that people discuss is the issues of drones over the United States and, and drones spying on on um, American citizens uh, within the United States. Uh, so I guess, you know, we can kind of talk about that and, uh, and kind of what I understand of their operation and kind of what it takes to get one of these things uh, just just operating. Uh, and maybe to some degree capabilities, but it's going to be it's going to be a, a, obviously a not remotely a classified you know discussion, but um, just kind of general capabilities. Right. Okay. So uh, on the subject of drones over the United States, there's a there's a large uh, number of people with discrepancies because of simply the loss of privacy and questionable intentions by the Obama administration and and not necessarily just the administration but or the Obama administration but any administration with um, you know limitations a with the technology and limitations B with you know what they do with the technology whether they're allowed to or not can you speak at all to what the capabilities are both in technology and you know what they can get away with well uh, one of your first issues with this whole thing is let's say let's say the uh, the current administration wants uh, drones in the sky you know well first of all uh, they are not cheap even even the little small systems are not cheap 
and so a lot of uh, communities, a lot of law enforcement agencies, even federal agencies, aren't going to just have tons of money to start throwing it at drones. And the thing is, is I think when the American public thinks of drones, they typically think of uh, the Air Force as the we, what we call the MQ, MQ-1, which is uh, more known as the Predator drone. Uh, usually people call them predators. I'm not even using the phrase drone. I think it's, uh, I don't think anyone in the, U- in, in, in the military uses the word drone. We all say UAV, or you'll hear UAS. Uh, UAV stands for Unmanned Aerial Vehicle, and UAS stands for Unmanned Aerial System. Uh, so UAVs are not a cheap technology. Even the small ones, even the small man-packable ones are are fairly expensive. And any kind of you know local law enforcement agency, except for maybe big cities, is going to think twice before buying one of these. Um, the The army has a smaller man-packable one called um, oh, the Raven. And the Marine Corps uses, uh, I think the Marine Corps uses the Ravenist as well. And they also use another one called the Dragon Eye. Um, these, I think the American public would think of as sort of laughable. It's, it's they're, they're, they do have a, a, deal of, a good deal of technology, but they're, um, they're very simple. Um, the camera systems are not um, super complex. There, there's no, you know, they're not going to, you know, be able to read a newspaper over a guy's shoulder, you know. Uh, they basically steer the camera by steering the aircraft. So the aircraft, the, the camera's in a fixed position, and they just have to fly it. And these aren't going to be flying at, you know, you know, 10,000 feet or 15,000 feet. These are going to be flying at just a few hundred feet. Um, so they're rather unimpressive. But these are the ones that are most likely to be used. Um, but the thing is, is you, you, you have, uh, an agency has to weigh the cost, uh, like kind of the bang for your buck. You know, is this really worth spending this much money or can we just have, you know, a human source on the inside or can we just, you know, surround the place, you know, or any number of other things uh, before we do this. Now, granted, they, they have their purpose, but these systems that we're talking about right now, uh, they're not going to be a persistent eye in the sky. I mean, they have a limited range. They have a limited uh, uh, time aloft. Um, you know, I think they're maybe like about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours at the most. Um these, I'm just, I'm simply not worried about these uh, regarding rights for privacy. The only time these things are going to be used is if, uh, you know, you have a big group, a SWAT team that's going to go in and raid a, raid a compound or something like that, and they want to get some situational awareness before they, before they raid the place. It's, it's not, it's not going to be a persistent just hovering in the sky looking at what's going on. Sure, sure. And this is Tim, by the way. And thanks for being here and uh, doing this with us. Um, really, really appreciate it. Um, one of the things you mentioned, like a compound or whatever, I think one of the uh, first stories that hit the mainstream media concerning uh, drones or whatnot uh, being used here on U.S. soil was, I think, the uh, Christopher Dorner uh, situation where he ends up holed up in, I think, Big Bear or out in the country somewhere. And uh, from what we were told anyway, uh, surveillance drones were being used, I think, 
in the search for him, and uh, once they found his compound, uh, so is that the sort of thing that we can expect uh, drones to be used for, whether or not they're predator drones, or there's a few other questions about which kinds of drones I have, but is that the sort of time when we would expect to uh, to see uh, drones in use? Sure, um, you can expect that, but let me... And this is the thing. Let me let me let you guys know something. And I don't I don't think I'm informing you to anything new. This is this is nothing unknown. But um, dr- drones are simply a cheaper way of doing what, in, in some fashions, we're already doing. Right. Uh, there are numerous other agencies, uh, local law enforcement, that they have helicopters or aircraft, fixed wing aircraft with uh, what we call SPA packages. A SPA is like, um, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's it's a camera package on the front of it, and there's a pilot, and then there's a guy operating the camera. That's expensive. So to do uh, that, that kind of raid regarding what you're talking about, it is so much cheaper um, just to throw up a little man-packable unit. Now, I know I was just talking about how expensive they are, and they are, but in but in the scheme of you know a two hundred fifty thousand dollar aircraft and then uh, a small package that's probably a hundred to two hundred maybe as, as much as the aircraft I've I've seen some uh, camera packages that actually cost more than the aircraft. Um, however, it's uh, it is so. cheaper. Sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. I, I think, like, uh, for instance, the Argus package, I don't know. I mean, that's the package where the camera is probably a lot more expensive than the drone is. I'm not uh, I'm not actually uh, sure about the specific names of specific packages. I know I know there's different um, levels of, of FLIR. The FLIR stands for forward-looking infrared camera. That's, that's what we consider, um, you know, infrared. You see black hot, you see white hot. Um, you just see in shades of black and white, essentially. You know, um, uh, but in some of these, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, law enforcement units, um, they're going to have like, uh, like I said, they're going to have one of those Dragon Eye or one of those um, Raven type. There are other ones. There are other variants out there. It's just kind of a fixed camera, and it just gives them an idea of what's going on. In in from from a you know from a vantage point that's much higher than, than ground level you know, um, and it's much quicker to determine things that way. So they're 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 much too like I said they're cheaper than the airplane, but they're much too expensive to just toss up there and and spy on Joe Public. Sure, sure. At this point in time, I think it's a very it's a good point. Uh, I I have a brief you know a brief. Uh, experience personally in the military. I was in the United States Navy from uh, 99 to about 2005. And I do know that a lot of times when it comes to a mission, uh, one of the last things that's considered is how much a thing costs. So I know that uh, in the States, while this is, uh, you know, it seems to be slowly kind of being implemented. I know that in a larger context, if the uh, need were to arise for one of the more expensive drones or for more drones to be used, I don't necessarily know that funding would become an issue. Is that a, a, a misunderstanding on my part, or is that uh, pretty much kind of your understanding as well? Well, there's there's two sides of the coin here. 
Um, regarding local and state agencies, funding is every bit an issue. Um, they don't, you know, their, their funding is based on their local taxpayers and they're very accountable to those and they, and, and they have a limited amount, you know, they don't just go to China and start, you know, asking for a line of credit. Um, so regarding the military, to some degree, you're correct. To some degree, they're not worried about cost. I mean, we got some astronomically expensive weapons. However, when one of those weapons, uh, when, when one of those systems, let's say, crashes, let's say it's a it's a little bit larger UAV, like maybe a you know something the size of a Cessna, you know, a million dollar type aircraft with probably a million dollar camera on board. If that aircraft crashes, there's going to be an investigation. You know, they're going to they're going to find out what went wrong. They're going to find out kind of who's at fault. And uh, it is it is no it is no small thing, you know. Um, so yes and no. We're, you know, regarding the military, no, they're not they're not too worried about how much it costs. However, that does affect how many systems as a whole they can buy. And and here's another thing to consider. This is something that a lot of people don't really think about. Um, this this word drone has a robotic um, resonance to it. Sure. And so the American public thinks that drones are just these robotic, um, you know, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator type machines that we're just going to kind of fire and forget. They're just going to kind of stay up in the air uh, forever. And they just have this robotic eye and, and they sense when you're doing something morally or ethically or legally wrong and they're going to get you. You know, and they're all going to have Hellfire missiles on them, and they're going to, you know, they're going to let loose as soon as you do something. Um, there is such an, a, a logistical um, movement that is required just to launch one of these things and, and, and to operate it and to maintain it while it's in the sky. It is not a fire and forget, you know, uh, system. There is a pilot behind it. There's a camera operator. There's usually a mission commander. There's someone else that they're that they are updating. Uh, there may be a tactical operations center that they're talking to. Um, there is a whole ground crew that's required to get this this plane ready, uh, maintenance ready, and to pre-flight it and then post-flight it when it gets back. It is, I would say, it is as much a burden or more of a burden. Than, than launching an F-18 or an F-16. And people don't seem to be too worried about F-18s and F-16s flying our skies, but the reality is those aircraft carry missiles. Those aircraft carry, you know, very uh, weaponized. Um, it's a very weaponized air platform, whereas a, whereas a UAV is not. And it, it actually, even though there's not a pilot sitting in that aircraft, there are as many or more personnel in charge of of making sure that that airplane does not fall out that does not fall out of the sky um and and so just to let's say for instance in the army uh, the army um uh, a uav system much like the predator um to launch one or two of those let's say to have two of those airborne probably requires a company-sized element of about 50 to 60 individuals. Now, are all, all of them working while that, while that thing's there? No. You know, some of those are maintenance. 
some of those are um, are support, but some of those are operators. And uh, like I said, there's mission commanders involved. And so it, it is no small task to get those up in the air. So if, if, if you're afraid of an administration that wants to launch these things and just send them up in the sky and just have them persistently spying on the U.S. public, there is simply not the manpower, the military or the government agency manpower to do that. So they have to be very selective about um, the missions that they're going to do. And, and, and I can tell you that they are. They're very selective. It has to be a very, it has to be a very high priority mission to do that, you know? So, Gons and everybody listening, um, as you could tell, it, it was initially very slow. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of this was... I guess part of me was sort of expecting to like have this big whistleblower coming out and telling us things about drones um, that we wanted to hear, you know? Right. And so uh, to hear kind of how he was playing the entire thing down entirely, not even just playing it down, but uh, I think just being at the extreme end of the spectrum of uh, minimizing the... You know, kind of what we're used to hearing about drones. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting about his position, and part of me, I wanted to jump in more and, and sort of go at him, but it was kind of hard for me to, to do that because I felt like, you know, I, I didn't know exactly, you know, how far we're allowed to sort of push him. And I think later in the conversation, we do a little bit of that. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he focused so much on specifics you know, he was talking about the the operation, how many people it takes to get a drone off the ground, and and um, you know, he was making valid points, but it was almost like he was because of that he was sort of overshooting the main idea. You know, it was it was right. sort of eluding the main point about drones, and right. you know, looking at it from a very a practical way right. uh, that you know the operation itself. Right. Right. Well, at the same time, you know, the guy only knows about what he knows about, you know. Yeah. And um, so if he doesn't know anything about any sort of sinister um, thing and knows moreover just the more technical aspects of it, you know, uh, kudos to him for not trying to, you know, caress us with the whimsical stories of you know, uh, drones spying on us in our bedrooms and just giving us the facts that he knows. Right. So well, it kind of, it, it did, I will say this because I don't want to just completely, you know, hammer him because I did get a sense of, okay, this guy is in touch with what's going on. You can't just say somebody is evil or that they have evil intentions because they are in the know or at least part of the political or government in one capacity or another. And so uh, all that being said, let's get back into the conversation and see where else uh, we can go here. Yeah, I, I was when I was in the Navy, I actually launched F-18s, you know, off the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, which is a pretty expensive endeavor. Uh, people, you know, definitely don't understand how much work maybe goes into that. Uh, definitely a, a valid point there. And I, I don't think people are necessarily as worried about 
the drones, uh, you know, carrying weapons or whatnot. We do know that, you know, in case in war context that they definitely do. But here in the States, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think uh, most people aren't necessarily uh, cool. You know, I think the difference between the F-18s and the drone in the public mind, and I know the term drone is a loaded term, so unmanned aerial vehicle, is that it does disconnect the person uh, from the situation to a screen. And even though we know that what's on a screen sometimes is real life, it's still not the same as being there. And I think that's the one thing that most people are concerned about and uh, fundamentally. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, have, did you hear the recent story of uh, Brandon Bryant who, who came out uh, as a, a drone operator? Uh, you know, I, I briefly, I saw the, um, the YouTube clip, but I haven't watched it. I wanted to look at it, but I didn't get, the, didn't get the chance to. You can go ahead and refresh me or tell me what it was about if you want. Sure. He's a, a drone operator that came out just a few weeks ago and said that he has taken part in more than 1,600 kills in Afghanistan in foreign wars and uh, was going to be given an award for having you know amassed this, this many kills. And uh, it is, that was the point where it really started to dawn on him uh, how brutal he had been. And he, I, somehow he stopped, uh, you know, he's decided to come out and say that he's against them now. Um, some, I have some questions about his credibility in some ways. But on the other hand, it does bring up the question, you know, when someone's disconnected from the platform. You know, I know that you can't speak to like a wartime. You're speaking more about ger- uh, domestic surveillance. But uh, it does, you know, contain some disconnect that can make it easier to... Uh, to make decisions uh, that may not, you may not make in person, and I think that might be the main concern that people have. Is that kind of? Do you I mean? Do you understand that kind of sentiment, or is that kind of uh, off base in your opinion? No, I, I very much understand it. It's uh, the, the, here's the thing, though. Uh, combat nowadays is vastly different. It's it's vastly less personal mm-hmm. than it was even. Even 200, well, uh, maybe 300, 400, you know, before gunpowder, before the invention of gunpowder, uh, war was much, much more personal. You had to get up close and personal. Uh, the arrow was the, the longest distance, you know, pretty much weapon that they had. That was the most, that was the least personal weapon that they had back in that day. Nowadays, it's the rifle. Uh, and I would argue um, it, granted, different uh, soldiers or Marines uh, would ha- or sailors would handle it differently, you know, a kill. Um, you know, looking through a scope, uh, maybe it might affect some guy. Maybe another guy is like, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm just pulling this trigger, and yeah, that guy dropped. Um, but if you, if, you, if you put a knife in that guy's hand and you put him on, in, in man-to-man combat with that individual... It is going to be a much more stressful and a much more violent um, uh, interaction. And so, yes, if you remove yourself even a little bit, you know, a step further with a UAV, it is less personal. Even recently, there was the case of a guy came out and said that he had, uh, or came out of the military, said he had post-traumatic stress disorder. And he was just a, you know, he was a drone operator, which was, you know, it, it, de- it definitely does not only take a toll on the uh, the individual uh, affected by the drone directly, but even the, the mm-hmm. user. So it's it's just such a, a, a an interesting uh, position we find ourselves in. Like, and you also mentioned, and rightly so, you know, over the last few hundred years, there's been a development from sword face to face combat to further and further away. But even uh, in the last five hundred years, up until the last 
10 or 50, you know, 50 or so, most of the, the, uh, I probably actually went to the last 100, most of the, uh, the technological advancements would only keep you a couple hundred feet away uh, mm -hmm. until, you know, of course, planes were invented and then it's a few miles away, but now it's literally half a world away. And, and I just think that the further that that distance gets, the, the more troubling. Um, now, this is a different context than you can maybe talk to because you're, we're, we're trying to focus on the uh, domestic side of things. But uh, anyway, it's, I think that's a lot of people's concern is just the disconnect. Um, but and anyway, I think you're kind of saying that uh, in the United States, it's not going to be, you know, massive drones. Uh, but and I to totally understand your point. It's very expensive and whatnot. But uh, do you see the possibility for an increase in drones in the future where, you know, they could become cheaper, uh, they can actually save money and manpower to, uh, to use them? Uh, or, you know, do you see that possibility developing in the future? It's, it, it's possible. Uh, the thing is, is that um, the, there's, there's issues with FAA and and uh, piloted manned aircraft because uh, those pilots uh, at this time are very nervous about an unmanned aircraft sharing the same piece of sky as them because they they feel the unmanned aircraft cannot see them and so they for them it's a, it's a safety it's a safety issue they have no idea what that guy what that what that um that UAV is going to do because. Quite frankly, most UAVs are are essentially um, instrument flown uh, aircraft. They they don't, you know. I know the uh, the Predator has a forward looking camera, but it's it's not as good as a as a as a pilot with you know his head on a swivel, just looking around, getting good situational awareness, and um, and that's something that they really deconflict over uh in theaters such as iraq and afghanistan there's there is a whole system of deconfliction over there and i think they're they're probably going to be implementing that kind of system here but um still if, if you're going to have a lot of uavs up there the faa rightly so is concerned that uh they want to make sure that those things don't start falling uh on houses you know because, uh, yeah, sometimes things go wrong. You know, uh, usually there's always redundant systems built into these things, but uh, something can go wrong. They don't want one of these things just uh, going haywire and, and, and crashing into some neighborhood or on a school or something like that. And so I don't think it, it is going to be a while before we can just start tossing up two and three and having one guy operate all three of them. I mean, it's it's a possibility our technology is going that way, but again, you know, it's like it's what level are we are we talking about here? Are we talking about the little, you know, man packable units, or are we talking about the big units that can really see reach out far and, and fly much higher and and have much greater capabilities? And even like you know, there's some infrared systems that are very very small, um, uh, but. I don't know. I think I think we're I think we're technologically we can do a lot, but it's actually figuring out how to um, logistically do all that. And, and right now, I think I just I just don't I just don't see it. You know, it just requires it requires too many people. 
Well, that's an interesting thing you bring up there because, you know, we've been fed some different types of stories from the media and it seems like the kind of frenzy that's going around in the media is that we should be fearing drones and this is a really, you know, an issue that we should be concerned about. So, you know, what, what do you think about the whole media frenzy in general? Do you think it's just the media playing it up because they need something to talk about? Is there any truth in what they talk about or they share as far as the information regarding the, you know, this technology or is it just complete, uh, you know, is it just a, a big stage and they're just using something uh, that is, that they know is controversial enough to get hits on their website or, you know, get people to listen to their shows and whatnot. I think that's exactly it. I do understand the American people's, concern about the rights of privacy uh, you know i get that uh you know i like my privacy but i th i think it's just um i don't want to say it's it's i don't know it, it, it's almost like propaganda sort of i, I would I, I hesitate to use that word but it's um i think it's kind of like they're trying to feed you fear you know uh hey be, be afraid of this right now be afraid of this even though we're not remotely there. I mean, what they have uh, piped up in, in the American public's mind is, is not, um, that's not where we're at right now. We just, we just don't have that massive capability, you know? Um, so I, I, I think some of it is just trying to find just, it's just to give you some kind of news. It's, it's maybe to try and say, Hey, fear this. Um, just like there, there's so many news stories uh, out there today that are just so worthless. Um, you know, the princess is fixing to have a baby and, and, and the news will spend you know, 10 or 15 minutes on that. And they're, they're going to talk about the dresses that she's wearing and the shoes that she's wearing and who makes the dress and the shoes, you know, and then we'll go on to some other equally worthless story. Um, you know, even supposedly reputable news stations will do this. Um, you're just not, you're, you're not really being told uh, an accurate truth. And this goes with a lot of news. Matter of fact, this, we can kind of sidestep UAVs at this point and go, on to, and go on to say that a lot of what you're being told is not accurate. And it's not because it's, it's a government conspiracy it's just that the news agency wants to have something sensational to feed you. And so maybe they have 10% of the facts and then they're going to add a whole lot of fluff to that to make it sensational just so they can put that little alert sign next to it when they feed it to you. And then let's say two days later, they may find out a little more and they may find out that the story they previously told you two days ago isn't exactly accurate. Well, they're not going to go back and say, you know, we previously told you this, but that was not correct. We now know this. Well, they don't tell you that. As I say, that's the propaganda technique that we often talk about on my show, and that's keeping the public confused uh, and uh, focused on uh, matters that are not uh, at all pertinent to their lives or that are, you know, important uh, globally. Um, and there, there are many that, you know, you can dig into alternative news sources and, and other places to go for news that you will never get on the mainstream news networks. But uh, 
thank goodness uh hardly anybody's watching the mainstream news anymore they have abysmal ratings so it's uh it's definitely interesting to watch um a lot of times too i feel like the that we're getting white house talking points from the mainstream media is that something that you've kind of noticed as well that the the government can kind of lead the media in a lot of ways um i'm sure they can you know i'm sure every i'm sure every administration um gives gives the media talking points uh to me it's just it's just my impression that the media um they just want ratings and so they're not going to get ratings by telling you maybe the facts because sometimes the facts are quite boring or maybe we don't know that much you know and so in order for them to to get the ratings that they want uh, you know, because because the American public has been desensitized to a lot. You know, our our movies are getting more more uh, violent. You know, scary movies are, are now even scarier. I mean, we're going we're going into demonic movies now, whereas before we were just going into like scary kind of creepy characters. Well, now we're going to you know demonic supernatural type possession things. That and, and so the the American public is being desensitized. To a lot of things and so in order to keep our attention they have to sensationalize things even more and and the thing is they're never going to go back and correct themselves because then they lose credibility and they already know that they have a credibility issue and so they don't they don't um they don't draw attention to that they just give you they just keep you know as soon as you start talking they just shove another spoon in your mouth sure but isn't it possible in a lot of ways that the media is leading us and helping us to, to, to accept things? Like, for instance, do you remember the movie? It was an old, it's an old movie. It's, gosh, it's probably 15 years old now. It came out in 1998. It was Enemy of the State with Will Smith. And when that movie came out, that you know, it shows like the NSA being able to monitor from, you know, not even drones, but from satellites and being able to shut off all of your credit cards at once and being able to bug your house and listen to your phone calls and, and uh, you know, tap into uh, surveillance cameras nearby and use them to, to track you or track you through pay phones. You know, that was a movie that when it came out, everybody said, oh, this is, a, this is quite fanciful. This is quite, you know, a conspiracy theory. Uh, but now here we are 15 years later and you look back and it's like, not only did that movie not, was it not conspiratorial, but it was exactly dead on. And then you go back and watch like the making of, and of course they had several, uh, uh, CIA, uh, people who they talked to for the movie. They had intelligence people who were liaisons to Hollywood for the movie. So I think when that sort of thing happens, it, it kind of does desensitize us in a way, uh, just like you're saying about demons or anything. Uh, to kind of casually, you know, accept it, or at least it introduces it into our subconscious that this is a possibility of something that may happen in the future. Um, uh, what do you think about that line of thought? And, and, and what do you think when you see that, you know, uh, the CIA was uh, helping out with uh, uh, Argo or uh, the movie Zero Dark Thirty? You know, the intelligence community uh, offered their assistance and when we're, you know, liaisons to, had liaisons to Hollywood, you know, what do you think about that sort of uh, influence of the media from the big uh, government corporation or the government uh, alphabet soup agencies? Well, there is. Um, it, depend, it depends on the movie. Uh, movies like Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. Yes, those. Um, I see those as being. As, as being fairly believable, that's that seems fairly. 
I can't speak to everything, uh, but I would say I would, that seems fairly accurate. Now you want to go to you want we're going to have to draw a line and kind of step way over it to go to enemy of the state. Um, you know they had they had Jack Black I think was the like the, some kind of intelligence yeah. analyst that he was just like this this godlike intelligence analyst that he could he could tap into to you know street cameras and he could redirect satellites and stuff like that. And there is. Um, Okay. Yes, we ha of course we have spy satellites. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that. Yes, there are street cameras and stuff, but um, you, you, there's a very fanciful side to that. I mean, there is a there is a very fanciful side. Uh, you know, can we look at a satellite? Sure. You know, are we going to like task it? Well, let's let's think about that. Are, tasking a satellite to move out of its current orbit into another location. Um, let's, you know, I'm just going to let you guys think of, uh, you know, just, just use some common sense to, to think of, of how realistic that's, that's going to be, you know, just like, uh, just willy nilly. Oh, we're going to, you know, retest the satellite. I mean, what are you going to do is, is that satellite going to stop at a gas station, you know, at, you know, 10,000 miles altitude. Oh, well, wait, I'm running out of fuel here. I need to, you know, I need to pull over and get some, get some space fuel so I can, you know, continue on doing all these movements you're having me do, you know? So there's, um, some of it was very fanciful. And, and here's the thing. Here's another thing. A lot of this, including the TV shows. Yes, there are things that we can do, but, um, it is on a much, much slower scale than that. I mean, they're doing all these things like split second. He just like, he clicks over to some other database and, you know, he's tapping into street cameras and stuff like that. You know, it's it, like I said, if, if, if sometimes people saw how the speed at which things occur, they did get bored. You know, it's, it's much slower than that. And some of it's just fanciful. Sure. And I'm not saying necessarily those movies are accurate 100%. Like, I don't believe Zero Dark Thirty is accurate. I think that you can take a basic look at Argo and see that they've definitely uh, embellished on the story quite a bit. I just find it interesting that there are intelligence agency liaisons who are taking part in the production of these movies. And I just, my, my, my curiosity it just make, leads me to wonder why. You know what I mean? Well, I think... Um you know, it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship, sort of. Um, you know, we we want to help them portray, you know, the different government agencies in, in a somewhat accurate light, you know. And, and in, in, so we, sh we, we may share with them how certain things are done. Um, you know, not everything. We, we leave some of it up to them. And some of it, even if, let's say, we told them everything, you know, the producers would go, oh, well, that's boring. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're going to have an explosion here, and this guy's going to have a laser gun. You know, so um, that's much more exciting. Um, Couldn't one be worried about the government agencies wanting to, you know, be seen in a positive light, you know, according to movies that are being made in Hollywood? I mean, isn't that a worrying, uh, you know, Joint of forces there. I mean, I know it's uh, realistically that's uh, what's going on, but isn't isn't that something to be concerned about? Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say all of what you saw on Zero Dark Thirty was was a positive light. 
I, I would say there's a great deal of um, things that probably some of the American public doesn't doesn't like, doesn't want to know, or when they know, they don't like what they see, uh, or they may see some government flubs, you know, just like we just straight up drop the ball in some places. So um, I, don't, I don't I don't think like something like that was actually a, a very good light, quite frankly. Um, sure, you know if if. I think when we get into the area of straight-up propaganda, you know, 1984, Big Brother type stuff, like, you know, uh, um, what's that movie, that cult movie, They Live, with all these kind of like propaganda billboards that are feeding you subliminal messages. Sure. You know, if we get into that kind of thing, sure. Yeah, you, you need to be you need to be afraid. But that's where you have to have, you know, the, the, the American citizen needs to have a good head on their shoulders. They need they need to be able to think on their own. And I think I think a lot of people really really need that. I think a lot of people need to think on their own. Some of the things you're being fed in the news are are uh, what we just talked about are, are not accurate. And but some of the things that you're seeing, even on some of the friendlier, let's say Christian awareness websites, I'm just I'm not going to name any names, but there's different websites out there with the, you know, have blogs and stuff like that, and they post some, like, news captions and stuff, and and, and you look at some of them, and you're like, ugh, this is just bogus, it's just, it's not even accurate, it's just kind of like fear, it's like kind of fear-mongering a little bit, uh, you know, all the, some of the UFO stuff, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's it's blatantly fake, you know? Uh, um, there's, there's some, um, I've, had, I've had some additional training, in being able to look at things and, and being able to tell, um, I want to say, just like how accurate they are, what things are, and noticing small details and picking out um, inconsistencies, you know? And and um, so many of, like, let's say the UFO footage, things that people put up, they're just, they're fake. There are some that, that uh, you know, I can look at and go, oh, okay, you know, that's, uh, that, looks, that looks fairly legit. But even some of the legit ones, you know, have come out as being, you know, fairly fake. Right. Now, in, in your experience, as long as, as, long as we uh, are starting to uh, talk about some other things here. Now, in your experience with... Uh, you know the things that you are exposed to, the the things you may or may not know about, or people you may or may not be in contact with. In regarding to some more of those more conspiratorial things, like I mean, f- for instance, uh, uh, FEMA camps or um, DOD buying up all this ammunition, these you know plans for a police state. Obviously, the the media. Both independent media and the mass media have uh, latched on to some stories and uh, sensationalized some things into some grandiose uh, um, sort of mental images. But are you able to speak to how much of that is um, legitimate or how much of that, you know, what has been grabbed sort of manipulated or what has exactly has been blown out of proportion are, are there some things like that that you're able to speak to uh yeah i can address some of those 
Um, I'll get a couple out of the way that I just simply don't know anything about. The, the FEMA camps, I, I know nothing about those. I haven't seen any. You know, I've seen probably the pictures online that all, everyone else has seen, the um, the large disposable coffins, like the, the four, four-person coffins stacked, you know, 10 feet high. I, uh, at least that's how people describe them. I have no idea if that's what they are, you know, where these things are at. I have, I have no knowledge of that. So I, I can't even speak to it. The uh, regarding the let's say the ammunition, we'll start there. Uh, DHS put out a contract to buy something. I can't remember how many. It was like 1.5 billion rounds, and then it got up to like I don't know now it's around two billion or something like that. And then a lot of people start making a big hubbub about oh these are hollow point rounds. Uh, not even in the Geneva Convention can our soldiers use hollow point rounds. Well, okay. Unfortunately, even even the these people that are, it's like they're trying to make the Americans citizenry aware, but but they're getting their facts again. They're getting their facts mi- mixed up. There's the military has a different mission than uh, American law enforcement, and even their weapons are different to some extent. And, and here's why. Well, first of all, let's go back to the ammunition. Okay, so. DHS orders all these rounds. Yeah, that's a lot of rounds. It is. That is just a ton of rounds. Um, the thing is, though, is they didn't ask for them all to be made at once. You know? Uh, they didn't ask for two billion rounds right now. They basically just said, we want to, we want two billion rounds. Um, we get the contract for this, and we want this many right now. Like, let's say they, let's say they said, we want 250 million, we want, we want 300 million rounds right now, and then you know, in the future, next year, we may come back and ask you for another $350 million. And whenever we ask you for them, we are your number one customer. You, you drop all your other orders and you start making bullets for us. Okay? So, they're not getting 2 billion rounds right now. Uh, number two, most of these rounds are going to be um, 40 caliber, 9 millimeter um, pistol rounds. Some of them will be 223, which is the caliber, which is the same as a 5.56 millimeter. It's like your AR-15, your M4, your M16, pretty much much the same weapon. Um, They'll get those. Those are for, um, you know, most of those law enforcement, most federal agencies, they're, they're law enforcement officers. They have a pistol, and they're also issued a long gun, which in a lot of cases, because the M4, you know, also known as the M16 or the AR-15, is such is becoming such a universal weapon. Um, it's just cheaper. It's cheaper to order the same kind of ammunition that the army's making. You know. Sure. I guess where where was the Department of Homeland Security using rounds? Like when was the last time the Department of Homeland Security had to have a firefight at you know wherever they would have a firefight? I don't even know at the airport or, or whatnot. Um, it, I, I don't understand why they need to, that many rounds. Like. Ordering rounds means that you're using them, and I don't. I don't know when the last time the Department of Homeland Security, you know, thwarted an attack and needed more rounds. I mean, it just. It just. I think that's what people are worried about. It's like, man, that's a lot of rounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing: is what people don't realize is most of these rounds, most if not all these rounds, are going to be expended for training. All of these. Uh, all these agencies, you know, DHS, you know, the Secret Service, U.S. Marshals. Uh, ATF, the FBI, 
Um, all these federal agencies, all these guys that are that are uh, carrying guns and pistols, they have to qualify on those weapons maybe quarterly or maybe um, yeah, you know every every so much over let's say four, two to four or more times a year. If if they're if they have a specialty like if they're on a SWAT team or something, then even more than that. And so uh, these guys, they just train, 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 and they shoot, shoot, shoot. Because when they need to shoot for real, they need to be sure they don't miss. Um, and so a lot of these rounds are going to be expensive for that. I, I imagine, I would say, uh, you know, for let's say every law, uh, federal law enforcement officer, every, let's say every quarter, I bet, I bet each, each individual is probably going to go through, let's just say at, the, at their quarter firearms qualifications course, they may do several practice rounds. They may do several uh, live graded rounds. Then they may do some just uh, other kinds of tactical training rounds. I bet they'll go through three, uh, 300 to 500 rounds uh, per session. That's just one individual. And then you will multiply that by however many thousands of uh, federal law enforcement officers there are. Um, and you're going to get a lot of rounds. You're right. The you know, DHS isn't getting into any firefights. Uh, but they have a lot of they have a lot of agents, and so they're doing a lot of training. Uh, but I, I'll go to this other issue that people make up of them using hollow point rounds, and people seem to have a big issue with that because they say, "Well, you know, the, our soldiers don't use hollow point." Well, here's the difference, and I'm sure you guys have heard this analogy. But a soldier, when he goes over to combat with one of those uh, M4s, M16s, what have you, he shoots that bullet. If he hits someone, that bullet's just going to go straight through him, most likely. If it just doesn't hit any bones or anything, but it's got a lot of power, it's just going to go right through him. Well, the thing is, is we, we kind of like, we're, we're betting that it won't kill them right away. Because if it doesn't kill them, it, it injures them. And then it's going to take him and two of his buddies to carry him out of there. So we essentially took three people out of the fight with one bullet. Okay. That is kind of the military mission. They just took three guys out of the fight with basically one round. That's kind of a strategy, sort of. Now, over here in the U.S., the thing about the thing about that round is that round went through him and it went past him and it landed somewhere. Maybe it hit a wall or whatever. Okay. Now, over here in the U.S., hollow point rounds. Everyone thinks, oh, they're so devastating and stuff. Well, yeah, it does do a lot of damage inside. But the point of that hollow that the the, the the reason for ordering hollow point rounds is is so when an agent fires that weapon and it hits that person, that round will stop in their flesh. And so we're not worried about it going through um, that person and hitting, uh, going through the wall and maybe uh, hitting a child that's sleeping in a room uh, behind them. The whole point of that hollow point round is, is that it's going to spread inside them and it's going to stop. Their flesh is going to stop that round. And so it actually makes it much safer. It makes it more, maybe more devastating for, for the, the criminal or whoever the, the subject of that, of that or the, on the receiving end of that round. But it stops it, you know. So the mission is different. In the military, they want to take several guys out of the fight with one bullet. In the U.S., the law enforcement, they just want to get that one guy. And, and they don't want, they don't have to worry about collateral damage behind that. 
Right. So do you, you don't think this sort of story that hits the news, the main, main wire, if you will, there isn't any, anybody that is, you know, in these organizations that has some kind of uh, a tip or, you know, perhaps some dark agendas or something where they do expect to see some civil unrest. They might understand some sort of economic collapse in the near future. You know, the logical stuff that you're telling us, it makes sense. You know, it's for training. It's because, you know, it's for the safety of, you know, our, our citizens. And that totally makes sense. But there's, you know, there's that other side of, well, you know, why I, I get we want better agents out there and we want, you know, we want to hit that one guy. But why are, why do we need so many of these agents that are, you know, they, that need to be trained so hard? And I guess the, the heart of the question is, you know, do you think that there is any kind of uh, pre-knowledge or some sort of tip that they understand that there's going to be some sort of violent or, or not necessarily a, a major violent uprising, but perhaps, uh, as some suggest, some sort of civil unrest that's going to cause um, some sort of you know conflicts, domestic conflicts, where a lot of these agents can be deployed and and you know with confidence because they have been trained with you know several thousands of rounds that they've been trained with um i i personally have seen no training exercises that involved you know some concept of massive civil unrest um if if i've ever if i've ever heard of them in the past it was typically like a, a general like we're going to train for this because it was a, it was a it was a locale that did have to deal with that like for instance the Oakland, California Police Department, are they going to deal with civil unrest on a regular basis? You betcha. Every time some, uh, you know, verdict comes out that, you know, the students of Berkeley or whoever don't agree with, well, there's going to be a protest, and then there's going to be a few knuckleheads that are going to turn it violent. And so uh, police departments like Oakland they're and even L.A. are going to need to train for that stuff. You know, some other, you know, locales you know like Terre Haute Indiana or something maybe they don't have to worry about that um, but I I have not heard of, of of anybody training specifically for that for that situation now on a different note if you are an individual that does not think that there's going to be some kind of economic collapse then you need to wake up now uh, it's not really being discussed necessarily amongst um, many people uh, in the in the government. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is at, at different levels, but I'm sure there are um, you know meetings that I'm likely not privy to. Um, because the thing is, is it, it, it's a reality that people are not comfortable with. No, no one's comfortable with the fact that their 401k is going to be worthless. No one's uncomfortable with the fact that however much money they've saved in the bank is 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 going to be worthless uh, in probably the you know probably very fairly soon. You know, um, and so people don't like talking about that. Uh, America has become a very um, a comfortable. And, and, and yet very complacent culture. Uh, the American people um, are just kind of letting too many things happen. 
you know, it shouldn't happen. But here's the problem is, is they're also very confused. And, um, you know, I think this is, I think this is, you know, the enemy, the enemy's, uh, intent, you know, the enemy being, being Satan. I think this is, this is part of his plan. Uh, you don't want a very effective resistance. And right now, the American people are bombarded. We are bombarded by issues. And the news is telling you, hey, focus on drones. They're these uh, robot eyes in the sky, and they're going to get you. Well, no, that's not an issue. I mean, maybe down the road, you need to kind of worry about that. I understand maybe thinking about having some kind of legislation in place. But right now, you got bigger fish to fry, you know? No one's no one's talking about the impending collapse but you're not going to hear it about them news because if you if, if if news channels start talking about that stuff you're going to see the dollar the 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 the, uh, the market is going to be very sensitive to that the market is very sensitive to rumors uh and 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 we can't afford for our, our economy to collapse right now um and so uh you know if people don't think that that's going to happen. Well, you need to wake up. You need to wake up to reality and 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 stop getting fed by you know the TV shows that are telling you, oh yeah, our economic growth we're, we're rebounding. Um, you know, jobs are up, unemployment's down, um, the dollar's getting stronger, gold is going down. Um, yeah, you, you just you just gotta look at the you gotta look at the national debt. <laughs> All you gotta do is look at the national debt. And a few other little factors to get a real sense of what's really going on. So you think the economic collapse is? Why do you why do you think that they're that they would be? Are they trying to do it on purpose? Are they trying to bring in a different economic system? What's the what's the goal? What what reasoning behind this economic collapse? If you know if there is going to be one. Well, again, this is this is something I have I have no direct knowledge of. I, I would just be kind of speculating uh, based on indicators that I see that just pretty much everybody can see. I mean, anybody can go and look at these things, but it, it doesn't it doesn't take a, a, a genius to figure out that if if the president comes on the TV and he says, "Folks, uh, we are in serious financial straits. You know, our debt is astronomical." We can't pay this back. Um, you know, we're we're kind of artificially holding up the uh, the uh, the economy right now. We're doing a few things. We're, we're just incurring more debt to do it. You know, the the government. We're buying our own bonds. Uh, we're printing money like it's going out of style. You know, it it, it doesn't take a it doesn't take a, a you know a master's degree or even a bachelor's degree in economics to look at these things. And, and, and see where it's headed. And um, I think everybody, I think everybody, especially your listeners, uh, your listeners have a very good sense uh, that something is happening, that things things are, are, are moving at an exponential rate right now. Um, they, they are just, they're really speeding up. Um, and, and I think they're, they're really getting a sense that there's a lot of stuff that we just simply haven't been told, even by our churches. Our churches don't even get a lot of this stuff. Our, your churches don't even tell you this stuff. And even the good ones, the the ones that seem uh, like Bible-believing churches, they're they're not they're not addressing, uh, you know, like let's say the Genesis six giants issue, which would lead kind of naturally if you kind of follow its progression, it kind of naturally leads into this, uh, you know, 
UFO phenomena, alien abduction phenomena type thing. Um, even churches are not are not talking about this stuff, and everybody that is is very fringe. You must be a whack job if you're talking about it. But if you look at the evidence in its totality, there there really is is pretty much one or two conclusions you can kind of come to. I think I, I've heard a lot of. Have you guys had Joe Jordan on your show? We haven't, but uh, we've reached out to him. We plan to have him on at some point. Joe I was Jordan. baptized by Joe Jordan, so that's awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh. Well, um, Joe Jordan and Michael Heiser are very, very similar personalities. They're they're very methodical. They're very um, kind of dry in their approach at how they present the evidence or the facts to you. There is um, there is no sensationalism. Like like maybe some other people, I can think of a few names. I'm not going to say them because I, I like I like some of these other people. But you, there's there, there's feels like there's like a little edge of sensationalism to their what they say. But uh, Joe just presents it. And he just says, Here, "Here's what I've seen. Here's where the evidence goes. Here's what's happened, and, and here's the result." You know. Um. And I like I like him for that. There's a couple other people I really like. Listen, uh, I, I like, um, but it's the same thing. You you look at the preponderance of the evidence and, and where it leads you, and um, yeah, you kind of make up your own mind. Now let's take a pause right here because what he's saying and the way that he downplays a lot of. Uh, the government's actions or so-called uh, plans. It's, it's really interesting to hear because things like this ammunition story make up a big chunk of the worldview that I think a lot of us have come to accept about what the government is planning or doing and how that fits into the whole big conspiracy. I'm not surprised that he downplayed it. I'm not convinced of his explanation for it he says there's no evidence that he sees for it but i don't know if he's looked into all the evidence that's presented by the people that have actually looked into the various conspiracies and stuff that goes on you know right and he might just not be in the position to be in the know about things like that or uh, who knows, maybe this is the official story uh, about it, or who knows, maybe he is giving the whole truth to nothing but the truth. So that'll be something for all of us to decide on our own. So keeping that in mind, we'll get back to the conversation with Mr. M. Touching on some of the supernatural topics here, with your experience in the field that you're in, did you run into or hear about uh, any of the men in black or, you know, some of these more, like you say, sensationalized accounts of or encounters that people have reported or have told stories about their experiences? What do you think is going on there? Do, is there any truth to it? Is there, you know, is this just more spinning going on with uh, some of the alternative media? Or is are there real, you know, do you think based on your experience, there are, for lack of a better term, some sort of interdimensional entities that are in communication with uh, some of our 
higher levels or is this you know is the truth really stranger than fiction or is it just more sensationalization um well there's there's um again there's there's a whole area that i just i have no experience with uh regarding some of these things uh i i have an idea that i think the truth is going to be stranger than fiction i think it's i think it's going to be it's, i think it's going to be mind-boggling and again, like uh, I think everyone, uh, most of your listeners understand the concept of uh, of the lie, the great deception. Uh, I uh, again, the preponderance of the evidence leads me to believe that that that, that is going to play into the great deception. Um, I think there are a few major major events that are going to have to occur first in order for them to be brought on the scene. Um. um when you say they, are you referring to, what are you referring to? Uh, I'm going to refer to like, I'm going to say, I'm going to call them interdimensionals because I, I don't think they're, they're, they're not, you know, extraterrestrials from another planet or another planetary system. Um, it's, I, I think it's a, a, satan, a satanic deception. You know, let's, 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 let's go to as lowest uh, common denominator. Let's just say sleep paralysis of some matter. I think it's still whatever they're being told in a spiritual sense is uh, is a satanic deception. But let's say let's say there's some reality to it, um, you know, some other dimensional reality to it. It's it is uh, it is still a, a satanic deception at that. Um, but uh, you know, in 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 the areas in where I work, I haven't heard anything. You know. Um, um, I, I think I think if there are any kind of, let's say you know response crews to UFO crashes or or um, let's say men in black type things, I, I think it's you know I think it's a it's an agency unto itself. I don't think they need to rely upon any um, you know government agency um, to to um, to help it out. Quite frankly, I think it's. I think it's I think it's too far developed. Maybe uh, maybe in the earlier days, you know, there might have been um, you know in the early in the forties, fifties, sixties. Maybe maybe they needed some kind of inter you know interagency uh, kind of cooperation. But now I don't think I don't think they need that. You know, I mean, if you um, if you read any of the books, let's say um, what's his name, Doctor David Jacobs. You guys aware of him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really am not sure where he stands religiously. I, I, you can't even really tell. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to swing one way or another. He just seems very. His research seems very secular. Very, very. Um, you know, un, in my opinion, fairly unbiased. You know, he's actually fairly embarrassed about what his findings are because he knows he knows how outrageous it sounds. Um, but even he, you know, has tracked this phenomena. Of let's say of, of, of alien abductions over um, a, a, a length of time, and someone and some people may find his, his research of um, of uh, hypnosis to be somewhat um, um, uh, I don't know. yeah um, I don't want to say just like they think uh, there's too much there's too much area for um, leaving impressions. Um, I'm kind of losing the words right now, uh, but um, 
there's too much uh, area for interjecting the uh, interviewer's own uh, belief or something like that into into the interviewee's uh, recount of the of the situation. But he seems I've listened to his interview techniques and, and how he tries to verify facts and if he thinks something is is as out of place how he goes back and he re-questions that person and he'll even uh throw in false positives you know he'll throw in a false um uh you know fact that he didn't hear and he wants to see if they take it he wants to see how how easily they accept it and, and just kind of regurgitate it yeah, yeah yeah that's the way it was um but he's, he's really good at it I, I will say his his interview skills are very good and you know, again, uh, you're going to hear this 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 phrase over the preponderance of the evidence of, of multiple people coming back with the same story, who who have no desire to have these kind of contacts. They're not they're not interested in aliens. You know, they they're they're not you know in some new age movement that's you know praying to crystals and and chanting and doing seances and stuff. They're not into it. They don't want it. Um, but if you if you actually look into it and see how some of it's generational, and and, in, and then look at the scripture, the Old Testament, and how God talks about generational curses, um, and, and other matters such as that, you you can see that there's there are some parallels. And again, it's like the preponderance of evidence is. I guess where I was going with this earlier is that th there is a there's a system. To, to this, and he says he can tell that there's a, an objective to this whole thing, and, and it's winding up to something. And, and I think he, uh, he, he doesn't, as, as, a, as a scientist, he doesn't want to really speculate what that is. I think he does have a personal opinion, but he does, as a scientist, that just tries, that is just, you know, he is just telling you the facts as he has gathered them. He doesn't want to speculate as to what he thinks that that end is. But I think if if you are a Christian that is knowledgeable of, of Scripture, that's knowledgeable of, of the things that are going on, you know, I would refer to like the books of Daniel and the books of, of Revelation, but there are, quite frankly, there are so many other books in the Bible that are uh, prophetic in nature that speak to, that speak to, to, to likely where we are headed. Well, absolutely, yeah. We, I, I think all of us would agree with you on that. Dr. David Jacob, for the listeners who may not know, he was a UFO researcher, and um, he seems to have um, come to a place where uh, he believes that there's some kind of hybridization program going on, if, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of where he's leaning towards with some of the, uh, the research he's done, which, again, some people reject. Some people say it's purely a uh, spiritual psychological deception others say it's really happening you know the, the accounts of women holding their hybrid child you know and having them you know needing her to touch the child to for it to live and and you know in various cases like that but uh real quick what, what knowledge do you have or what can you tell us about some of the i guess the black operations we've heard about them you know documented some unclassified documentation from you know paperclip to, to all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, project blue beam and, and, you know, the, the more popular ones, but is that kind of thing still going on today? And, and if it was, would you, you know, in your position be privy to it or, or do you think that, uh, 
you know, they're, they're trying to keep it hush hush. Do you think it's going on at all? And, and, you know, when we start talking about that, of course it does touch on some of the issues you brought up with, you know, alien abduction and things like that, because where are they as far as genetic research, as far as, you know, space colonization, human cloning, it gets pretty wild pretty quickly, but uh, you know, that's the kind of chatter, I guess, that you can run into, you know, if you, if you, kind of swim around in the conspiracy minded circles. So what, what's your take on that? Well, uh, again, I think that if, uh, if there is any kind of these, these operations going on, I think, I think it's an agency unto itself, uh, that, um, is probably well out of sight of, of, of any kind of government oversight. Um, I am not aware of, 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 of any of these things. I, I think that they, uh, if these things are going on, um, they they are beholden under themselves, and um, like you know the kind of block ops that that I would ever have known about were typically military ops, you know. But even then, it, you know, it's just it wasn't anything. Um, I don't want to say anything. It was just um, how would I say? just maybe like a high value target, you know, that's the, 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 a terrorist target. Let's say they're going to get, I'm talking about over in theater, like, you know, over in Iraq or Afghanistan or something. Um, but, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything that's just kind of, a, of the nature of what you're talking about. Uh, I think the government that everyone is kind of aware of that we just, <clears throat> Everyone kind of really just takes care of their piece of the pie. You know, uh, DHS, they have ICE, and now they call it uh, HSI. Um, they're taking care of immigration and, and, and you know, some import-export uh, type violations. You know, ATF, they're kind of taking care of guns and explosives. And, you know, the FBI, they're kind of taking care of counterterrorism, counterintelligence, and uh, drugs and uh, they just uh, just that kind of thing. There is no you know UFO recovery team or um, thing like that. You know that's um, and, and and if there is, they're certainly not advertising it. You know, right. On the subject of terrorism, um, you know, a lot has been happening lately, whether it be uh, Boston or or uh, one of any number of shootings or things like that. You know, there's a lot of talk about false flags and or, you know, things like that. Um, Even uh, maybe not per se aid or anything. Um, But, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about intentionality with the government, um, you know, to sort of lead on a, a police state or to help crack down with legislation or something like that. Are you able to speak um, to that in any way from where you stand in your position? Well, um, agencies like, um, let's say, uh, HSI, let's say the investigative agencies, HSI, also formerly known as ICE, um, ATF, um, let's say the Secret Service, the FBI, it is, it is, 
this is kind of this is going to go against a lot of people's uh, belief set, and this is basically just because they've been ingrained this way with the movies, and maybe and maybe even let's say the uh, the J Edgar Hoover era of the FBI. It, it is not in those agencies. Um, I want to say DNA to um, make up investigations or to or to spend a lot of time um, spinning their wheels creating um, fake evidence, uh, chasing down um, people who they know didn't do anything wrong. Um, it is just, it's just not in them. They, them and, and their investigators really can only uh, chase down predicated uh, criminals or predicated terrorists. And, and there are so many levels of, uh, of oversight and authorization that they have to go through just to look into someone, just to investigate someone. And so when you get to the level of, of going and arresting someone, the, the amount of probable cause that those investigators have is, is fairly overwhelming. Um, not all agencies, like different agencies are different, you know, the, the kind of the way HSI. Hello? Guys? Guns? Hello? Uh, boy. Okay. Have a really long phone number. You gotta answer the phone eventually. What's up? Hey, what's going? What happened? Um, what's the the power went out. At your house? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's just my house or not. I don't know. I'm outside right now. I'm trying to figure out where the breaker is and. The moon's really red. It's kind of tripping me out. Oh, that's well, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> is what about is like is all the power out for your neighbors? Yeah, or? It's all the power. The only power I have is is in my phone right here. That's it. <laughs> Inside your phone. Inside my phone. Uh, technology. Um, okay, okay. Well, I got disconnected from everybody. Um, should I? Should I just? call them back and uh yeah just just keep going and then if i can get back on i'll i'll try to hop back on later but uh okay yeah all right all right i'll call them back uh i'll just finish this out and uh just give me a call back or, or text me or do something if your power comes back on okay yeah that works okay uh i got this so dude dark don't worry so dark yeah be careful jeez okay right. okay Oh my. All right. Okay. Uh, I, I gotta go. Bye. Hello. There he is. Hello. All right. Okay. There we go. And uh, we'll get Guns back on when he's back up and running. Okay. So how far did I get in my uh, question there? Anybody remember? No, I think I was asking a question. Is when I I think when it, when I went out, but maybe you were asking one too. <laughs> uh, well, we might have started one at the same time and gone out on both of them. There you go. <laughs> okay, uh, you can go first. 
I don't even remember what it was, so please go ahead. Okay. Um, are we recording over there? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, my question was, we were talking about government agencies uh, and false flags and, and you know, false uh, accusations and things like that. One of the most recent, most memorable ones, I think, in my opinion, was the James Holmes case, the, the Dark Knight shooter. And the suspiciously close proximity um, between the attack and the small arms UN deal going on and, you know, the the conspiracy where the man that they had wasn't necessarily James Holmes and there's side-by-side pictures and things like this. And I guess I'm not expecting you to come out and tell me that it was, but on more of a personal note, would it surprise you to know that it were possible that if an administration wanted something set up, that it could conceivably take place in that manner? Or is this just a complete, you know, running of imagination on the, on the part of conspiracy theorists and nut jobs? Well, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, any um, type of uh, conspiracy type facts uh, behind that. I mean, I get where you're going, but I guess what I'm, I have a couple, I have a couple thoughts uh, about that. There, there's, there's, there's two things at play here. Number one, uh, everyone can kind of watch the news and any, any well-informed individual can watch the news and kind of see what's going on with uh, the George Zimmerman trial. And they can see um, that there is a lot, there was a lot of talk going on um, from uh, leaders' positions uh, before the trial even started, you know, before, before people had even heard the facts. And then, you know, you have a jury that listens to all the facts and then cast a verdict based on the evidence that they've been given. And then um, there's this massive amount of dissing once again. And so everyone can see that, I mean, there's just a group of people that just want to see this guy crucified, no matter what, you know. Um, now, I'm not saying the guy is completely innocent, you know. Um, I, I'm not saying maybe he didn't make a good decision, but, you know, uh, uh, given the facts of the case, um, I, I, don't, I don't think either side was innocent in this case. Um, but, but some people seem to have this idea that, that one party was completely innocent, where it's just, it's just not, simply not the case. And you can't have a jury of that many people, that many individuals, make a unanimous decision like that, you know? And, and you, um, there may not be something to it. When you say, uh, I don't think either side was innocent, what do you mean by either side? What two sides are we discussing here? We're talking about James Holmes and, and who? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about George Zimmerman. I'm talking about the George Zimmerman uh, trial. Sure, sure. And how, how either uh, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman acted and reacted within that situation. I don't right. think either side was completely innocent. However... What I'm say, where I'm going with this, concerning with the topic you're bringing, is that uh, you can see that the the popular opinion 
is, is that they just want to crucify him. And so, you know, uh, people in, gov- in, in federal and in state governmental positions were making statements of, uh, you know, of George Zimmerman's guilt before the trial had even had even occurred. And, and so if, you know, if sure, you want to talk about, you know, crucifying, crucifying some other individual um, just to have a fall guy, um, you know, uh, it's f- from a public opinion standpoint, that isn't hard because you just got to have popular dissension to, to sway uh, the, the public opinion. Now, on the other side of that coin is these, uh, these federal investigative agencies Granted, the, the, let's say that George Zimmerman was more of a state, and so was some of the others. Uh, state, it's a, a state matter. Um, it is, it is like um, I don't know. I, 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 I have not, in, in my experience, known or seen someone or, or heard of someone that's been arrested simply because they were, were told to. Despite the fact that the uh, the investigator or the group of individuals that were they were looking at the crime were saying this guy's this guy's not guilty, you know he didn't do it. Uh, I have not I have not heard of it, and and so it would it would I would be hard pressed to see someone going out and just and just arrested because I think um, the thing about the thing about most all federal investigators. Is that they're very independent thinkers. That's what. That's why they're hired. You know, they're independent thinkers. They're Type A personalities. Um, they, you know, they they are able to get the job done. Uh, you know, on their own or with or with assistance. You know, based on how big the situation is. But um, if you if you tell one of these type of guys you're going to arrest him, you know, despite that, well, there's going to be talk. You're going to hear. You're going to hear things. So what I hear you saying is that individual agents and uh, number one, individual agents of a government agency are too independent thinking and too focused to try to pin the blame on someone else for a crime that would have been committed hypothetically by a government agency who you've stated before do not have the DNA to carry out things like false flags? Well, it's not even it's not even individual agents. You have to understand that uh, none of these none of these high profile investigations. Well, and most of the ones we're talking about here are kind of state state level, but none of them are um, are just one individual. You know, like uh, unto unto themselves, conducting the entire investigation, and they decide. You know, this guy's going to be this guy's going to be guilty, and then one person, let's say one person from on high, calls that agent and says, "You will arrest this individual," um, and then it just be between those two people. No, no, no. Uh, there, in anything that's this high profile, there are going to be a massive amount of people involved. You know, and so there isn't just going to be you know, one agent or one investigator or one uh, detective that's going to know all the facts. There's going to be several of them, you know? And so everybody's going to have to be in on it. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's almost, it's almost too much to believe that, that this conspiracy would have gone through all, all these people 
and everyone's buying off on it and nodding their head yes this is what we're going to do but in a lot of cases i think that the the government agents can be so compartmentalized that they can pull things off where an agent will think that he's doing something good and can be misled all, all it would take i think in my opinion would be one guy at the top feeding the information to those below him you know if you are passing out a folder filled of filled with false information to a team of agents i mean you could you could really put in anything any information you wanted on a suspect and as long as you're the you know the the guy passing out the folders you know you might be the only one to know that something in there might be falsified or you know this was a cover-up of some kind, or this was planned because an administration wanted to use the incident as leverage on some upcoming legislation or something like that. I, I guess I guess when I hear you talk about um, singling out individual agents, I suppose that's not necessarily how I always thought of it happening. I, ne- I guess I never thought it would be one agent kind of going rogue to sort of um, create this conspiracy. I, I guess I always figured the agents uh, on their own level are, are simply just that, simply agents, um, you know, following orders or doing something like that. Am I am I misled or debased in that? Or, or is that sort of more or less how it would work if it were to happen that way? If hypothetically a cover-up or a false flag were to happen, would that be a possibility? Well, um, you are you are you are correct to a, to a degree. Agents do agents do follow orders. Investigators do follow orders. But at the same time, uh, they go where the evidence leads them. Re- regarding what you're saying, someone from on high feeding these things. Um, typically, evidence does not does not come from the top down. It comes from the bottom up, and um, and typically evidence. It will be known by a number of investigators, and, and typically, uh, maybe uh, two or three or even more are are at the location where the evidence is recovered or, or provided. Uh, typically, you're going to at least have you know two agents, or they always almost always go together, you know, um, and uh, and so they're each going to know where that stuff came from now. Yes, you know, if at some point they were fed incorrect information or incorrect evidence, you're right. It, it, you know, it could potentially disrupt, you know, uh, some some flow of information. However, uh, when you get to the point of let's say prosecuting an individual, the evidence, usually from a federal standpoint, um, usually uh, like let's say a, a, an assistant U.S. attorney is not going to take that case unless it is a slam dunk case or unless they're being told to take the case. You know, it's, it's, so there's, there's two sides to that coin as well. But, but typically if the evidence is weak, they're not going to want to take it, you know, or, or they're going to tell you this isn't good enough. You need to go out and get more. You need to find something else. And if, and if, and if, if the investigator says, well, that's all there is. Well, they'll say, well, this isn't good enough. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a hint of it, but, this isn't good enough for a jury. And so um, usually the evidence is, is typically is overwhelming. A lot of what sometimes comes uh, to light in, in news news stories 
is not a, is for number one it's it's not always completely accurate to the facts of the cases because the uh, the news agencies aren't always privy to all the facts number two all the facts that come up in the case that are presented in the case and trial is typically not all of the facts so oftentimes there are other facts that have come up but the thing is, is is the prosecution and the defense will sometimes kind of work out hey i'm not going to bring this up um or, or maybe the prosecution just says we're not going to mention this because this is debatable and then the defense can argue this this point right here so we're not even going to bring this point up so there are oftentimes there's a lot more facts in a case that oftentimes sometimes aren't, aren't even presented just because they're they're a little more debatable even though for the investigator he's like well you know from my standpoint this is a slam dunk well, there's um, some like even in the aurora colorado shooting there's some anomalies for instance the the suspect uh, james holmes was arrested with a gas mask on but there was also a gas mask in the parking lot you know there seems to be a lot of this kind of strange inconsistencies that the media doesn't focus on either it's not that i you know i'm definitely not a person that sits back and takes my cues from the news i try and look at these things as as best i can and it, this constantly is not either uh it's a, it's not you know stuff like that is not touched on by uh the the media as a whole you know and not only they're not you know telling the whole truth but they're often leaving parts out and i, I feel the same way about you know, whatever happened in Boston there, it's very strange that we still haven't seen video of him, uh, the Sarnadiff brothers, other than, you know, the only video I've seen of them is walking with backpacks on. So it's just hard to, uh, where, where, you know, where do I, as a, as a citizen say, oh, okay, they have my best interests in mind. I don't need to see any more evidence when at the same time they're, you know, the media is telling me, Hey, you know, these are the, the guilty parties, you know? Right. And, what I'm what I'm hearing from you, Mr. M, um, from what you're saying and from what you're also not saying is you don't seem to think that A, the government does or B, is even sufficiently capable to pull off a, a false flag or or, you know, some sort of shady event in, in the, the situation uh, of recent times, like a, a shooting or something like that, which is interesting because I think a huge part of the sort of conspiratorial niche is based on this sentiment that that is totally a thing that happens all the time. And not only does it happen all the time, but it's happened in the past and to expect it in the future. Well, uh, here's here's what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm not saying that the government isn't capable of it. I mean, you can you can you know hindsight's twenty twenty regarding some of our government agencies. You know, some of the things that went on uh, during J. Edgar Hoover's time were um, were, were very uh, questionable regarding the constitutionality of them. You know, um, however. However, uh, when you get into some of these larger conspiracies that, were, that some of you guys are talking about, or even some of the conspiracy theory, some some of the conspiracy theorists um, speak to, the problem is that there would have to be such a large number of individuals that have would have to be in on the conspiracy. That at some point, someone's just going to say, "No, this is this is too much BS." 
This, so, this can't, this can't right. stand. And, and I think that's a good point, actually, is that you do bring up the goodness of human beings who are working in the government, which is a point that, you know, a lot of conspiracy theorists and people into that sort of thing tend to forget or ignore. Um, Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, oh, my gosh, the government is all bad. Everyone that works for such and such agency, you know, CIA, FBI, NSA, you know, everyone that works for them is evil and has even you know, I think there are, are, are well-intentioned people there who are trying to do the best that they can for the American, uh, Amer- the United States and the American public as a whole. But, you know, f- uh, considering false flags, for instance, uh, we can look to the Gulf of Tonkin inci- incident or even the USS Liberty as being examples of things that were embellished on by the uh, Defense Department in order to further a goal. Uh, the USS Liberty, of course, didn't sink as, as was planned. But uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, it's, it's widely kind of recognize now i think it's even declassified that it didn't happen the way it was said to happen so i think our government does have the the capability and and so we just find ourselves in a position where we're constantly asking is this that is this like that is this like that is this like that i mean most of the american public doesn't believe in the jfk assassination was you know we were told everything and so because we feel you know that there are cases in the past i think it only makes sense to look at the current time and say you know what's going on in these up-to-date cases how would you kind of respond to that mr m well there's there there's been a cultural shift uh and, and a lot of it's based on technology um back you know let's say in the 40s and 50s you know if there was an incident let's say they're like like the, the roswell you have so recovery or something, they can come back and say, no, 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 you're going to say it's a weather balloon. And if you say anything else, uh, you know, I hope you, I think you really love your wife and kids and you don't want anything to happen to them, right? You know, they could kind of um, threaten you and, and you would keep your mouth shut. Uh, but today, because of technology, because of, of um, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, just how wired we are in email, um, that those kind of threats, um, although they could happen, uh, there's going to be people who are going to be like, "No, that's that's BS," and they're going to walk away from that in that, from that incident, and they're going to maybe turn around, take a picture of the of the individual with their phone, and they're going to tweet it. Hey, this jerk just threatened my life because I said this, you know. And so you don't you don't hear of the government going and knocking on anybody's door and saying, um, "You're going to." You know, you're not going to talk about that thing you saw, you know, in the sky or that that thing you saw on the ground or or you know what I mean? Uh, it just it just doesn't happen. You look at like any kind of police altercation in California and, and anytime the police are arresting someone, there's like 10 people surrounding them with uh, with cell phones recording everything. You know, but then you also yeah. have anomalies like the Michael Hastings crash, uh, where his you know 2013 Mercedes uh, hit a tree and burst into 20 foot tall flames. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he he was on record saying, "Well, you know, I've gone against the government, and you know, it's possible to do it because there's Twitter and there's ways to you can look after yourself. I haven't been droned, you know, I haven't you know been killed. You can do it." And then 
this strange car accident happens where I, I mean I, I don't I, I don't think anyone really believes the official story right. on that one it's kind of strange right. I think there's I mean uh, as much as I'd like to believe that the internet and Twitter and Facebook would make me immune to any threats I mean I could think of um, a strong enough threat that would keep me from doing that because especially if it if it's that public you know because you're not telling you know you're not telling certain people you're you're telling the world essentially which mm -hmm. I, I feel like would even bring upon an even harsher um consequence if somebody if somebody really wanted to keep you quiet if i don't know if that's too much to to say and i understand what you're saying but at the same time part of me has to has to put myself in the shoes of somebody getting threatened. And I, I'm not sure that I could uh, count on Twitter and Facebook to protect me in a situation like that. Oh, I agree. I think that if there is, um, if there are things like that going on, like if, if there was something going on, it would have to be, again, it'd have to be a group of, a group of individuals or, or, you know, a section or agency that, you know, we're just not aware of. And, you know, again, we have to realize, you know, as Christians, we have to realize that there are, there are other things at play than besides, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans right. and, you know, this country, that country. There are other forces at play. You know, this, this, this isn't a battle between the red states versus the blue states, you know, even though people would like to think that way. It's not. It's, um, you know, we are battling against against unseen forces and there are individuals that uh that follow those forces um so just because something like that happens doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, that it's a political party that is that is at play necessarily it could be some other some other group um that has um other influences right Right. And I think those are influences that um, uh, our listeners are definitely privy to. And also the the fact that, you know, the, the Democrat Republican puppet show that goes on is is not necessarily um, uh, anything to give weight to when it comes to, you know, uh, watching the news or something. Um, but so I, I, I just to kind of shift gears a little bit it's been interesting to talk to you about um a things about the government b things about um you know spirituality and you know moving into uh uh quote aliens or or pan-dimensional beings or things like that and and uh technology and things like that and what's interesting uh in, in our conversation is that I have yet to be able to to siphon any um, any ill feelings toward the government out of you and I haven't been <laughs> that's not something that that I experience very often now is this uh, just because of you know I part of me wants to believe that this comes from uh, a, more of an intimate knowledge rather than uh, you know the usual internet uh, rumor mills um, but I, I, I can't help but shake the feeling that some listeners out there will find that uh, suspicious. Is there anything that you can uh, speak to when it comes to that? 
Sure. Um, you know, here's the deal. I think a lot of people don't agree with um, some of the decisions that are being made by uh, various parties uh, up in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, whether you, you know, uh, agree with the, the red states, the blue states, there are, are agreements or there are decisions being made that just people don't agree with. There are things I don't agree with. Um, and, uh, you know, some of it is, again, it's happening at an alarming rate, you know, and there are things, there are um, polarizing decisions that are being made at this time that, that uh, of course, not all of us agree with. Um, and some of us will agree with others. Um, and yes, if you read some of the headlines, absolutely, absolutely, you're going to be pissed. You're going to be pissed about what's going on um, uh, at, uh, by, by, by some of uh, the leadership. But I guess some of the experience and, and, and some of the things I'm, I, I'm speaking to is the fact of, of the people that are that are working, uh, you know, for the government, the people that are just getting the day-to-day things done, um, you know, whether they be the mail or, um, you know, even upper, upper, uh, tier, you know, um, matters, you know, of, of any kind of, of national security or of, you know, just, um, criminal matters or, or um, administrative matters. The thing is, is there still are a lot of good people that do work for the government. Not that we all agree, you know. Not that not that we all agree, but a lot of these people that you know that work in the government, you know, a lot of them sit next to you in church. You know, a lot of them are in your Sunday school class. They their kids go to the same school that your your kids go to. Um, they they have certain ideas that you have, and then again, there are some people that have vastly different views than you that also work in the government and and um, they do agree with certain things and maybe we're not maybe we're not moving fast enough maybe we're not maybe we're not progressive enough but when it comes to certain other matters there is some co- commonality as to um you know uh the things we want out of life you know we want a better future for our kids. Um, you know, we're not just trying to, uh, you know, revoke all the guns. Although some people, some people might like that. You know, um, uh, that's just. Um, I don't know. That's just. It, there's just. There's a lot of people that work for the government that that think just like you do. Um, and there are people that think just opposite of you. Admittedly, there are. But um, uh, the thing is, is I I think some of the um, the things that are really angering people are are um, are not decisions that are being made by um, the day to day people. You know, and, and sometimes I even wonder if. Um, if, if some of the decisions being made at the top are even being made by them, you know, um, you know, for, let's just go with, uh, you know, the new, the, the healthcare law, this, this Obamacare, you know, do y'all think that, 
that Obama sat down, you know, over the course of a month and wrote this thing himself. No, the insurance <laughs> companies wrote it. Does, does, does any does anybody even think that that he read all of it? No. No. He he was he was told some he was given some bullet points and he probably told told them this is what I'd like and who knows who knows you know and they, someone probably said okay yeah we'll try and work that in and then they wrote it and they gave it to him okay yeah let's we'll, we'll push this you know I think I think there's there's definitely a you know probably a bigger agenda at play there but a lot of this is is well well above so many people's heads. Um, it's just almost um, not beyond beyond comprehension, but it's just it's it's just beyond us. It's it's to the realm where you're going to have to say, "Listen, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on these days," and, and in some cases, I am simply going to have to trust God. You know, I can prepare as much as I can, and and, and I can I can voice my opinion, but certain things are just going to roll a certain way at this point. And you're just going to trust God with the rest of it. Did you hear about this uh, Brandon toy recently? He uh, threw down his rifle, supposedly. As, uh, he's worked for General Dynamics, I guess. No, I haven't heard of him. What's the, what's the story? Oh, it's... Uh, let me see here. He was a military contractor. But I just I found it interesting. It's like, uh, you know... A military contractor resigns. Toy said he had to resign from his position. Engineering project manager is a military contractor, General Dynamics. Troy told Common Dreams on Wednesday, I felt a lot of cognitive dissonance for the last two or three years. I knew that what the consequences were, but essentially he uh, said when Edward Snowden talked about how he believed that the mission after, after he joined the Iraq war and found it was false... It was like my own words. It gave me. Uh, I gave up hope, and I can no longer do this work. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, we are again. We're just. I, I do see us moving more and more into a polarizing um, era. You know. Sure. What do you think about the Edward Snowden? Uh, kind of quote-unquote revelations, even though, you know, it's been admitted that these are the things that have, you know, have been going on for a long time, so. Uh, you know, I, I really don't, I really don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I'm kind of on, I'm, I'm, I'm on information overload, kind of on a day-to-day basis, and so uh, when I, kind of when I go home, I don't watch the news. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I, I, I get enough of it on a, on a day-to-day basis, that I just—it's it, kind of hard to say if it doesn't pertain to some of the things I'm working on. I, I kind of block it out because I get enough stuff during the day. Sure, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you've heard some of some of it. Essentially, that you know, he came out and said that they were spying on the American public. Is that you know, is that something that is kind of known or? Is that in your experience? Is that kind of uh, just maybe an NSA type of thing, or is it just a? Well, I mean, I don't if, even, I, if that would have ever occurred, I, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying they probably. I don't. I. I don't know. You know, here's the thing: is 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 if any one of the typical investigative agencies, again, like ATF, Secret Service, DEA. 
uh, ICE, HSI, or FBI, if they want to, let's say, uh, do a wiretap, the level of predication to get that wiretap done is astronomical. It is, it is, it is very, very. Uh, but that's what he's saying. It's very, very administrative. I mean, that's that's what he said. It's very ad- sorry. It's very administratively administratively um, uh, intensive. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, and that's just for one target. And so sure, what? But, what but, Ed, that's what Edward Snow- Snow- Yeah, well, that's what he's saying is that it, it's not. There's not wiretaps being done on individuals. It's massive surveillance on all levels all text all communication all phone calls now i know they don't have maybe don't have the data processing to go through all of it each individually but they are uh, collecting it all is essentially what he's come out and said yeah it, but yeah but what i'm saying is that just to do it for for those investigative agencies that i just mentioned just to do it on one target meaning one phone number one email address is astronomical and, and and for any one of those investigators to think that they could just write a document saying, I want all phone numbers of this entire state or the United States, it's just kind of, it's just laughable. Now, again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it, maybe it can't be done, but as far as these other investigative agencies, you know, it's just, it's not, not something that, you know, that, that they do. So well, why would the NSA be building a giant data center in Utah if they're not able to, to, to track that information? I mean, I understand that it's a big deal for other investigative agencies to try and get individual wiretaps to be able to use admissibly in court. But, I mean, it's no longer hypothetical that maybe maybe they are or maybe they aren't collecting data on all, you know, everyone in the United States and, and even further, well, probably worldwide. It's not really hypothetical. It's not really a question. I was just wondering like, what... I mean, it's just for, as far as I know, it's 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 being done, and it's admitted being done, and that's what the the conversation's mm-hmm. been about. You know, I just I, I couldn't even speak to it. I just uh, I just I don't I just don't know enough about it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Okay. Here's something. Now we know that you have some sort of connection with some sort of government agency and for very understandable reasons you've um requested that we we keep it very um tight lip i mean we don't even know but so we only know what you've told us on the show here and so you know there will be some people who without enough information and since so much of what you've brought up has been so counter to a lot of what's widely regarded as um, indisputable or, or well-known um, acts of the government. And they might go so far as to call you a disinformation agent or something like that. Is there something that you would say to those people or say in regards to the legitimacy of uh, what you've had to say in this interview? Well, you know, uh, not to sound not to sound um, like I don't care, but you know, if if people don't believe me, uh, I don't care. <laughs> uh, it, it is what it is, and um, you know, I'm, I have. Uh, I, I think, quite frankly, 
uh, I'm not trying to spread any kind of disinformation, but the thing is, 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 is sadly, you know, as a Christian myself, as 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 an evangelical, you know, born again, Bible believing Christian, uh, based on what I know, I see a lot of uh, incorrect information on on some of the websites that your that your listeners frequent and rely upon uh, to be almost gospel truth. You know, hmm. it's just it's 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 like another extreme side of the coin. I mean, they feel like they're they feel like the government everything the government's a conspiracy, but the 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 opposite side of that of that pendulum swing is that um, you know, not everything they're getting from these websites is is accurate, and it's not because that website is trying to feed them something that's inaccurate. It's just that someone somewhere wrote some article. And made a couple interesting connections, and then uh, took it a few extra further steps. And voila, we have this amazing conspiracy. And you know, and, and robotic drones are now flying the skies. And um, you know, I think I saw one, you know, over my backyard yesterday. And and they were flying around, and I don't know what they were doing. You know, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I have. Um, it's you're right. Some people are not going to believe me, and uh, I don't. It, but but those are the people that like that's their stripes. You know that the they're a zebra with stripes, and they cannot be a zebra without stripes, and that's how their stripes run. And and so that's just what they're going to do. Um, but if they don't if they don't believe me, I, I mean I don't care. It, it doesn't change things. You know, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here saying that there are not conspiracies out there. I'm not here saying that that things are not not going on. Um, things are going on. Do I know all of them? No, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know everything. Um, but um, there are there is enough information in the public realm um, that a, a smart individual needs to be able to weed out the sensationalism. They need to be able to weed out the BS and, and, and they need to be able to make an honest assessment of, do I just want to believe this or is this really truth? And some people just want to believe things. I mean, that's why we have so many different faiths. We have so many different denominations, even within the Christian faith. Um, you know, any more the freedom of religion uh, people have kind of turned that into some concept of I'm you know, free to create whatever kind of religion I want, as opposed to the original intent of free to be the religion uh, that I wish, you know, with, without uh, harm of, uh, or threat of persecution. And, and so some people are just going to believe what they want to believe. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I really don't care. There we go. Straight talk from Mr. M. A quick question. You mentioned websites that uh, were in a way grotesquely sort of um, inflating certain facts. Would you be open to, you know, naming just a couple of those? I mean, are you talking about uh, just like Infowars, uh, AboveTopSecret.com, things like that? Um. You know, I, I, here's the thing. I don't want to mention any of these because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to harm any of their reputations. Uh, right. Um, I, I think I think a lot of them have 
good intentions. They really do. I can tell that they have good intentions, and and they don't have the ability to check every single, uh, you know, blurb or 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 hyperlink that they put up there that links to some other article. They they just don't. It's just the headline looks good, and so they post it. Um, so. No, because I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't believe any of them. I'm just saying not all the facts are good. Some of them are good. Mm-hmm. Some of them, are, some of them I find are very informative. Um, some of them, um, you know, there's there's some things that are just like eh, I, I I look at it and I'm like, no, this is this is um. I mean, it maybe it's a legitimate article from maybe a legitimate newspaper and somewhere else, but it's 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 uh likely the the writer took things out of context and, and sensationalized things. So your listeners, this is the thing. Uh, I, I, I like your radio show because I've noticed your listeners are very intelligent. Um, they ask intelligent questions. Um, they, they, they have great responses to things. Um, they are not typically your, your, um, you know, kind of the nut job that's that's sitting in the corner of his house, you know, wearing a tinfoil hat with a shiny side out. Um, I thought it was shiny so, side in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> it's it's shiny side out, man. It's shiny oh, side out. You okay. gotta wrap it twice with a oh. with a pointy with a pointy top. Okay, okay, okay. I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> You have very intelligent uh, listeners, and so um, I think that they are going to, to a great degree, they're going to be able to make up uh, their mind on a lot of these things. And I do ask them to be to be much more aware of their own um, personal uh, psychology, how how they make decisions, how they make decisions on their own belief set. You know, don't, don't believe something necessarily just because you want to believe it. Even even the scripture, even the Bible scripture. There is, yes, sure, there's there's a great deal of faith in believing in a God which we cannot see, but that same God has provided a great deal of proofs for us. You know, prophecy is a proof in and of itself to show a God that stands outside the dimension of time. But there's also archaeological proof. There's also, um, you know, uh, proof in, in, in uh, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, how we find, you know, that our scriptures are accurate to what we have today. You know, so God doesn't just um, just say believe it and then just walk away and not give you anything. He provides a great deal to help substantiate uh, your belief set in Him and in His Son Jesus Christ. So um, I, I ask that your your listeners do the same thing with uh, other matters, and, and and in some degree that's why they come and listen to your show because they want to hear. Uh, want to hear information and news from uh, a christian perspective well amen those are some very wise words and which i will say uh line up exquisitely with um how we like to think around here at canary cry radio and so uh we thank you very much once again mr m for taking the time out and answering a few questions for us and uh for for doing so in a way that uh you know uh, is understandable and uh very level-headed so uh we thank you for that and um you know 
we hope to uh, you know have you on again and maybe answer some more questions in the future. Sure, I would love it. You're a, you guys are a, a fun crowd. Well, there you have it. That was the conversation with Mr. M. And what'd you think, Basil? Overall, I enjoyed the conversation. I think mainly because it was uh, so unexpected, you know? Yeah. We had some ideas of what might be happening. And whenever somebody comes at you like Mr. M and you're wondering if this is going to be like a whistleblowing session or if he's trying to just set something straight or you know what i did like about the conversation was he was pretty straightforward with what he was going to say even if it wasn't quite sensationalized right sensationalized thing and i think that's what we can take away from this conversation whether or not we believe anything he says which I think he had a lot of good points and I think desensationalizing is a very important thing to do, you know, because as people minded like ourselves, that confirmation bias is a big thing. You know, when we hear something on the news, especially about drones or something, and we basically, you know, we jump to conclusions. Right. Well, we, we, we resonate with that and we're like, yeah, we know the government's evil. Of course they're spying on us with drones. That's, I totally agree with that, but you're like getting it from some, I mean, if the mainstream media is talking about it, then there's cause for suspicion. Right, right. Yeah. It was a good indicator of making sure that, you know, we stop and actually think through the various aspects instead of, like you said, jump to conclusions. Right. And whether or not you believe he is who he says he is, although he doesn't say a lot about who he is. But I think the overarching message of what he has to say is more important than, you know, details of some of the minimalization that he was doing. And, you know, we'll just have to take it at face value. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think it was... uh... It was a good experience for us because it was one of the first times we've gone into an interview thinking or not knowing exactly what's going to happen, you know, and I think you hear some of that in in the questions. I I thought about it some more after the conversation or at least my, you know, the part that I was able to listen to. Good job, by the way, Basil and Tim carrying the load after the electricity went out on me. It actually happened. The power did go out and it was a little bit weird because, you know, of course, you're talking to some person allegedly you know in that sort of circle and then your power goes out so (laughs) it's kind of weird right but um but yeah yeah good job with that but uh i forgot my point what was my point (laughs) i don't know it is important to step back and analyze these things rationally look at it uh but yeah when i was thinking about this episode i had thought up some different quote-unquote proofs you know evidence that there are certain things going on with various conspiracies and whatnot, documents that have come out and stuff like that. And I think we touched on it a little bit at some point in our, you know, conversations, Basil and I, after the interview, but, you know, it's really strange that he seemed to have this compartmentalized vision of what a, a quote unquote, a shadow government is. And, and then just like the, the, the face government, like the, the overall government that people work, you know, the, all the people that work in government which right. is a big, broad, general thing. So I think right. from his perspective, I, I agree with what, a lot of what he was seeing, at least, because he's looking at it from like, okay, I'm in the daily operations. Here's what I see. You know, right. your, your, your average mailman is not out to 
try right. to enslave you, you know? <laughs> so Well, right. And even more so the average worker in something like the FBI or CIA or Homeland Security or, or anything like that probably would not be involved in secret dealings of some more shady aspects of the agency. Right. We see that on TV shows, you know, where it's like, oh, you're part of some kind of, you know, uh, intelligence agency, but then... You know, for the for the black stuff, you get recruited out of there, right? You get you get pulled out of it and brought to some higher, you know, deeper realm. You right. Know? So it's it's even in movies. So yeah. Right. Well, exactly. And it's it's interesting because there was a point there where me and Tim were even trying to sort of draw out. You know, is it even possible that right. this could <laughs> right. be happening? Is it even possible? Even if you haven't heard of it happening, could it theoretically happen if somebody wanted it to happen? And, you know, his answer wasn't no. His answer was more, it would take a lot of secrecy and energy and a lot of obedience to get something like that to happen. Three things of which, to the level it would take, he has not seen. And so it really does kind of show if something like that is going on, how deeply entrenched and how secretive from even the, the the normal operations of the government itself that it would have to be taking place. And I don't think that's necessarily a surprise to anybody, but it was interesting to hear nonetheless. Yeah. And coming from, you know, a fellow Christian, right. so he claimed, um, I think we have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt and, and to take everything he said with a little bit of grain of salt, but, but also that perspective of like, okay, let's, let's actually stay rational about these things because, you know, it's easy to fly off the handle in the conspiracy mindset, right? I mean, we've right. talked about Mars and, you know, all sorts of nonsense, you know, so right. it's right. super easy to do that. And it's fun to do that. And, you know, I think part of our show has been, hey, let's, let's just go there. You know, <laughs> like, let's just right. have no shame. Let's just explore these things because maybe we'll find, you know, a couple pebbles of truth here and there. But, right. um, but and, and- yeah. And here's the fun thing with this, with Mr. M. Now, you as a listener, you have to decide what to believe and who he is and, and what's going on. It's it's a personal choice to, to figure out what to think about it. Right. But that being said, you liter- you have two choices. Either he is exactly what he says he is, it just a, a dude working in the agency or some agency, we don't know, uh, who has, you know, this or that uh, experience and doesn't have this or that experience and only speaks to the experiences that he has and things like that or he is just straight up disinfo like (laughs) straight up contacted us to straight up disinfo our faces off you know and those are really your your only two choices (laughs) the point is that there's no there's there's no in between here exactly He's either, you know, the moderately mild-mannered man who, who, with the information he has, or he just straight up is sent here by the government to lie to all of us. And, you know, I'm not going to speak to either one, but... Well, what do you think he is? Let's, let's wrap this up a little bit. What do you think he, Mr. M, was? Do you think he was straight up disinfo, or do you think he was sort of, you know, the other, the other oh. side? No, personally, I, th- I think he I think he was completely honest to the best of his knowledge. Right. Well, you see, it's 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 almost, I guess, not insulting, but kind of condescending to him almost. You know. 
What is? Just be like saying that that he knew to the best of his ability. Like, oh, we we. I don't do think we have, so. You don't think so? No, and I, I think if Mr. M was here, I think he would agree to me, agree with me. Okay. You know, it, I I think that he answered all of his questions completely honestly with with the knowledge that he is given and the experiences that he has, and I don't think that he would be offended if when I say if secret things are happening behind the scenes and we all have an idea that that might be the case he straight up came on the show and gave an honest account of what he's experienced and that's not to take away from anything he said you know right. that's i'm not saying that he's misinformed um right i mean i guess my my whole perspective on it is what would he say given all the the evidence that may, may pertain to a particular conspiracy it presented to him in front of him you know would he just say this is just you know this is just hogwash or would he you know do you know what i'm saying like i, I would like right. to know on specific points of data what he right. would what he would respond to um, right. because you know historically obviously tim brought it up a little bit but historically there are conspiracies that have come out like you know the gulf of tonkin that's a pretty big deal right you know, that's, a, that's a huge deal of why we went to war and stuff and so we know it, it can be done i think also another thing to to take into account is given his position you know i could understand how it's more in his interest to not comment on things like that and you know maybe i'm giving him too much credit maybe well because it's starting to sound to me like the the archaeologist who doesn't want to challenge the standard you know the the established elements right. of the the historical you know traditions and everything the, the fossil records the, and yeah things. yeah the the established academic you know uh, whatever the doctrine if you want to call it that right you know because if you challenge it you might come up with some different information or some you right. know sinister information but in the process you will lose your position you will lose your job you you know what i mean so right and i suppose i i do take that into account i suppose that's that's all part of my view of this guy not to say that not to say that we wouldn't do the same thing if we were in that situation you know what i mean right like, like would you it wouldn't be the easiest decision to just be like okay let me let me go against everything that is you know, basically biting the hand that feeds you right. to prove a point some point that may not be as important as you know securing a family and whatnot so right and maybe now that i think about it you know i gave two choices i yeah. gave he, you know, is exactly what he says he is, and he's being honest to the best of his ability, or he's straight up disinfo. Maybe there's something there in the middle. Thanks to Tim Kilkenny from Revelations Radio News for coming on and talking with us. Oh, speaking and of speaking of Tim, uh, he did okay. send us an email regarding his thoughts. So two sentences. He says, I think that this interview was a good reminder that not everyone in the alphabet soup agencies is evil or hellbent on a new world order. While I would suggest that they are the most indoctrinated of anyone, some of them, if not the majority, are good people trying to do the right thing. So those are things, Tim's. Those were those were Tim's thoughts after the interview. 
It's a good word, Tim. Good words. So there you have it, everyone. Thanks for listening to Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to stop by CanaryCryRadio.com. Leave us a voicemail with the little tab on the right. Make sure to check out our Canary Cry flyby shorts. And until next time, think outside the cage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on StumbleUpon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the page. And so there you okay. And and okay. Why am I having so much trouble? Okay. So there you oh my god. What the heck is going on? Okay. And so there you and so there you have it. Okay. <laughs>